They were supposed to have had lunch, but the urgency of the son's request had convinced Remy to make the trip to see Adam as soon as possible. The sons had said they would call him with the information about the flight sometime later that morning, which had given him an idea. He would call Linda and see if she could do breakfast instead. It was unusual, in retrospect, Remy thought, continuing to stare out the window. Here was his opportunity to step back from the discomfort he was feeling about the whole dating thing, but he hadn't. He didn't cancel and had immediately thought of a backup plan. It was clear that he really wasn't in his right mind at the moment. Thoughts of Adam, the first father, and a missing key to the garden, and what this all meant, were using up valuable space inside his skull. That had to be the answer. Why else was his thinking so scattered? Linda had answered the phone sleepily. He didn't even think to check the time that he was calling. It was only a little before 7 a.m., and he'd woken her up. Just another example of his brain not functioning at top form. What's wrong with me? He wondered. That had been bad enough, but it didn't stop there. After he apologized profusely, she had accepted his offer, telling him that she needed to be in the city early for some school stuff anyway, and that she would love to have breakfast. Remy saw in his reflection on the circular plastic window pane that he was smiling, and didn't quite know how to feel about that. They had met at a small deli near Coolidge Corner, and it was then that he'd realized the next thing that had completely escaped him. Not really knowing how long he was going to be with Adam, he needed somebody to take care of Marlowe for him. Nothing big, mind you, just walking, feeding, playing, and stuff. Remy had apologized for being rude, telling her that he needed to make an important phone call. He called Ashley and spoke with her mother and was reminded again that Ash was heading to Killington for some skiing with friends. As he hung up, Linda must have seen the look on his face, and she asked what the problem was. He explained that the person who normally looked after Marlowe when he was away was not around. Remy remembered the look on Linda's face as if she were still there, sitting in front of him, and then he remembered her words. I'd love to watch Marlowe for you. Remy had actually hesitated, not knowing exactly how he was feeling about Linda's offer, but she seemed genuinely eager to do it, and something just felt really right about the situation, so he'd agreed. Not that he wasn't a little anxious. He might have been nervous, but Marlowe was ecstatic, excited as all get-out about going to the pretty female's house. As he'd handed over Marlowe's leash to her, the Labrador had told him that Linda smelled good. Remy hadn't responded to the dog's statement, but he had to agree. She told Remy not to worry, that the two of them were going to have an excellent time, and Remy knew that they would and honestly had felt a little bit jealous of his four-legged best friend. The sons of Adam had sent a car for him, which had brought him to T.F. Green Airport in Rhode Island, where he'd boarded a private jet, and here he was. He glanced at his watch to see that they'd already been in the air a little over two hours. It wouldn't be much longer. And as if on cue, he felt the plane begin its descent, He leaned his forehead against the cool plastic of the window. Adam and his sons were living in a secluded place that John had lovingly referred to as the garden. He hadn't given Remy much more than that, which was why Remy searched the gradually approaching land below. He was somewhere over the Arizona desert, 
the brownish-red landscape below starkly beautiful in the rays of the afternoon sun. And then he saw it. It was totally out of place in the harsh desert surroundings. A white bubble, a dome, looking as though it had erupted from the dry brown earth, a kind of boil on the flesh of the bleak desert skin. As the plane banked to the left in its descent, he saw how large it actually was, the white dome even having its own runway. The private jet came in for a landing, smoothly touching down and rolling to an eventual stop. The pilot emerged from the cabin with a gracious smile, opening the door and extending the steps. Remy unbuckled his seatbelt and stood. Thank you, he said, and the pilot touched the rim of his cap as Remy exited the plane. There was something in the man's eyes that told him he too was a son of Adam.